Welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. So uh, I want to speak today. Uh, I was, I don't know about you, who was here last week? Oh, good hands in the air. Uh, that's most of you. Uh, I, I was really touched by Pastor Cheryl's message last week, slow faith. I, I thought it was, was, was really passionate and, and, and really powerful, and, and it inspired me uh, in the message that I brought this week. So I, I wouldn't be as bold as to say that this is sort of a sequel to her message, but, uh, but it's maybe adjacent to her message. It's in the same ballpark. It, it's the weird cousin to her message. Uh, and, and so I really want to talk about it because... Last week was a funny week for, uh, for, for, for Laura and I, for our family, because some of you might know, but uh, at the early part of the weekend, Laura really injured her back. Uh, she was, uh, she'd had back problems in the past, and uh, she's, the last couple of years has, has done all sorts of exercises and things, is now like super strong. She would take pictures of herself like that and post them on Instagram, <laughs> not embarrassing at all. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but she, was, she got this exercise, I think it was like abs in 30 days or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> and she did this, it was like you had to do six of these reps, and she lay on her back and she had to lift her leg up in the air like that. And, and she did it twice, and, and she was like, oh, I think I might have pulled something. So she did the remaining four and then stopped. Uh, and, and, and unsurprisingly, the next morning woke up with a really sore back. Uh, and then on Sunday woke up and had a really, really sore back. And so she's like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure if, I can, if I'm going to be able to get ready to come to church. But she didn't want to miss church. Pastor Cheryl was preaching. She didn't want to miss that. Her sister was coming to visit. She didn't want to miss that. She didn't want to miss any of you guys either. And so she kind of, without really committing to it, she just she got out of bed and just, you know, did the steps as well as she could and sort of hobbled around the house. And about a, a third of the way through getting ready, you know, it's just everything was kind of conspiring against her. You know, she couldn't, she couldn't get her clothes. She couldn't choose the right clothes. She couldn't, uh, her hair wasn't going right. Her, her, she didn't know what makeup to put on. And, and I think like just a sort of a, uh, you know, excuse, uh, excuse the pun, but the, the straw that broke the camel's back was that uh, one of her shoes was missing. I think one of the kids very helpfully must have hidden it or something like that. Or just something happened that just this exasperation is like, Oh, maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't go. Maybe this is a sign. And, and we sort of freeze-framed. We just sort of paused right there and, and we kind of laughed. We just sort of laughed together at, at it because we sort of laughed with this idea of, is that, is that really how it works? Is that, is, that how, is, that, is that the sort of sign that, is that how signs work? Right? Is that, but we, we like them to work like that because... We're constantly trying to discern the will of God uh, from our own impulses. And it's a tricky proposition. Because guess when you never need a sign? When your will and God's will are like that. You're never like, well, we're on the same path. That's running downhill. Like, you don't need God to give you any signs because you're both facing in the same direction. It's when you're a bit like that. It's when God's going that way and you'd rather go that way. That's when you're like, hey God, I really need a sign right about now. Because I need to know whether stepping out is the right thing to do. I need to know whether, whether this is what I'm supposed to do because the reality is I'd rather not. Mm. 
And there's a couple of cracking examples in the Old Testament of, 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 of people. Uh, King Saul's son, Jonathan, one of my favorite sort of heroes in the Bible. And, and, and there's this great account of him and his young shield bearer. And they're sort of at the bottom of a hill and there's a, a garrison of, of uh, Philistines at the top of it. And there's several dozen of them up there. And Jonathan's spoiling for fight. He's had enough of the uh, Philistines lording it over Israel. And he's like, we should go in. We should go and pick a fight with them. And he, he says to his uh, young shield bearer, Come on then. Actually, I'll go to 1 Samuel 14, verse 8. Getting a bit excited. (laughs) Jonathan said, come on then. Come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because... That will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Imagine just there's a couple of these guys. Just Jonathan and his shield bearer. Shield bearer probably doesn't even have a sword. He's got a shield. He's a shield bearer. And, uh, and they're at the bottom. Of the, they have the lower ground. So they're outnumbered and they've got the lower ground. And they're like, let's go and pick. Whoa, that's like, he's Jonathan Wick right there. I mean, it's exciting stuff. He is eager for a fight. And yet, I confess, if I was the young shield bearer, Jonathan, Jonathan, so if they say these words, we stay where we are. But if they say these words, we're supposed to go up and fight all these guys. Is that definitely how it works? Is that definitely, and here's the other thing. Do you think the Philistines were speaking Hebrew? Probably not. So it's probably, and and actually what they say is, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan's like, yeah, that's close enough. (laughs) He's probably translated it and the the shield bearer is like, he said, they, they definitely say the words. Were they in the right order? Are they definitely the words? Because like we are putting our lives at risk here. Over a combination of words. Would you do that? But it was a sign. And they went up. And they had a fight. And they started just a rout of the Philistines. Another good example. Gideon. So Gideon's in this well somewhere. Sort of threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says. Yo you mighty man of God. You're gonna be, I'm going to raise you up. To set Israel free from the Midianites. Who have uh, put you in captivity. And Gideon who is the youngest and the least of the least. Kind of looks around and goes. But it's only me in here. Who, who are you speaking to? It can't possibly be me. And he's like yes it's you. You're the one who's going to set them free. And, and what Gideon says. What he says to God in Judges 6 verse 36. So Gideon said to God. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, look over here what I have prepared earlier. I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. 
And, and that's what happens. And, and he raises this army and he whittles it down. And they end up with 300 of them poised to take on an ar- the army of Midian, which it says was, was, more nu- was so numerous it couldn't be numbered. They, they covered the landscape like locusts. It's another exciting story. But I confess, if I was soldier 299. <laughs> so Gideon. God definitely said that we were going to win. Because I'm excited and so are the guys. He definitely said that. Oh, yeah, 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 he definitely said so. And he gave you a sign. Oh, yes, he gave me a sign. And it was a sign that, that we were going to conquer this great number of people. It was a sign that showed our victory. Well, there was a damp fleece. <laughs> There was a damp fleece. Oh, no, but don't worry. There was a dry one, too. (laughs) Would you put an entire nation at jeopardy over a science experiment? (laughs) But, But they did. And they won. And it was one of the greatest victories. It was an astonishing act of God's power and majesty. See, we... We prefer the, the reassurance of a favorable outcome. One that will not result in our, preferably that won't result in our discomfort, any discomfort whatsoever. That's why, that's why we want God to give us a sign. We want God to give us a sign because what we really want is we want, we want the, secret, the secret signal. We want the wink that says, yeah, no, don't worry, guys. I've got you covered. You might look outnumbered. But it doesn't matter because this is definitely it. That's what we're looking for here. Mm. We want it to be confirmed. We want it to be confirmed so that we don't have to needlessly go to the effort of something that might not be profitable, that might not be beneficial. That's why, that's why we want the sign. And yet, and yet God did condone signs far more in the Old Testament than he did in the New. But there's this... There's this tipping point, and probably quite unsurprisingly, that tipping point is, is, is Jesus. After his time on earth, you'll actually find, if you go through the Bible, that signs of guidance and confirmation pretty much dry up. There just isn't like a bunch of them anymore. Miracles, yeah, but, but something that says, like, like, like we had the examples we gave earlier, like, there aren't really any of them any longer. And there's an exchange that Jesus has with the Pharisees that, that really sort of illustrates his change in approach. If you go to Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Can we have another sign, Jesus? <laughs> but he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. It's a bit like it's a bit like when you're a kid, when you're five years old, and you have to go to the inconvenience of seeing the doctor. Just to lift up your vest and let him poke you and put, put the uh, stethoscope on you. And goodness, he might even want to take some blood and give you an injection. And at the end of it, when you're all upset, at least you can look up at his table and you can see the jar of lollipops. 
<laughs> Doctor, can I have a lollipop? And it's just like that, except now you're 35. <laughs> can I have... Can I have a sign, Jesus? Aren't we past this by now? Aren't we, aren't we a little bit beyond this? Aren't you a little long in the tooth to still need a sign? What have I just been talking to you guys all about? Can we have a sign, Jesus? And he rebukes them. In fact, what he says there becomes, it's repeated in other parts of the Bible where other, other Pharisees ask him the same question. Where they ask him for a sign. He's like, no, I'm not giving you a sign. In fact, he calls them hypocrites later on. He says, well, you're, you're quite happy to look at the signs of, of, of the sky and whether it's red at night or red in the morning and decide what sort of day it's going to be. But you're unwilling to take a stock of what the sign of the times is. You are unwilling to take me at face value. You need some sort of confirmation. And Jesus saw their hard-heartedness and he refused to indulge their uh, cynicism any longer, their skepticism any further. However, he did say there would be one further sign. And it would be a sign that would sustain. It would be a sign that when it came, there would be no need for any other signs afterwards. So to continue in verse 40. For as Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of, a, a heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Yeah. Jonah got swallowed up by a fish. He was uh, figuratively, not literally, but figuratively dead to the world and spat out on the shores of Nineveh and went up there and preached a message of redemption, preached a message of salvation. And the people of Nineveh changed. They recognized us. They took the redemption that God offered. And what we're saying here is that that was like this, this micro example. This was this small case study of what God wanted to do with the entire world. The sign of Jonah was the sign of what was to come. And what he's saying is that, that the people of Nineveh, they will look on at this and say, we took a guy who came out of a fish. You had the son of God who died a sinner's death and was resurrected. How can you not see that? Why do you need any more signs? That is the sign. That's the sign right there. That's the further sign. Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Man's final opportunity to realize God's will for mankind. Mm -hmm. His heart for humanity. The sign of Jonah is the greatest miracle of all. Mm. Because it's Jesus coming back. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was God's chief sign. That he was the Messiah. And the cross is, it is the only sign that we need. Because it's the sign that God is with us. That's it. We, we carry that sign. God, God would use signs and miracles in the Bible to authenticate his chosen messenger. He, he sent fire down onto Elijah's altar during his contest with the prophets of Baal to signify, this is my guy. He talks for me. 
I'm authenticating him. But we don't need that any longer because God, God has called us. That, that cross is the sign that he is with us. It reminds me of a, like a number of years ago now. I'm an engineer and I, I occasionally go offshore. And it's an interesting thing when you go offshore as an engineer because, uh, and I go off pretty much exclusively on boats. Uh, and I spend, and most engineers will spend the majority of their time in the office. We are generally office uh, based. But we do go off onto the vessels you know, for these projects, for this sort of uh, intense moment of, of trying to achieve a particular task. But most of the other people that are on the boat, that's, that's, where, they, that's where they are when they earn money. Like that's, that's their job is to be on a boat and to do whatever task it is is assigned to them. So, so when you come on as an engineer, you're a little bit, uh, you're a visitor, you're an outsider in a sense. And I take it upon myself that there's a, there's a responsibility on me to try and get to know the guys that I'm going to be working with, to, to make sure that they understand who I am, the kind of person that I am, my, my, my objectives for being here, and that, such that when, if I challenge something, or I, or I put forward an idea of how we could maybe do something better, that, that people understand that I'm not trying to show anybody up, that, that I'm not trying to just be a big Charlie Big Potatoes or anything like that, 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 that I'm there and, and, I'm, and that I have genuine, uh, genuine um, intentions. And, and so that's kind of the challenge that you have when you go off. And I, I remember this one day kind of walking at the tea shack and there was a couple of uh, older guys and I could tell immediately they were having kind of your classic sort of tea shack debate. They were, they were talking about religion and one of them clearly had no background in it. It wasn't something he believed in, nothing, something that he uh, it never, it was never something that, that was, uh, that he had, uh, he had believed in. Essentially, and, and then the other guy was your kind of classic. Uh, he, you know, grown up in church. He had the background in it. And, and if you asked him, you know, did he believe in God? Absolutely. But it's not like it was a part of his daily life. You know, he wasn't a regular churchgoer. Uh, it wasn't something. You know, he would. It wouldn't be on his, you know, Facebook profile or anything like that. But, but, but it was. But if you, the rubber hits the road, that's where he's going to. I believe in God. And they were having this sort of discussion. I, as I walked in, I could, I could hear them kind of talking. It's, and. and there were certain things in what was said. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if that totally really reflects God as I know him. It seems a little legalist. But, you know, it was their discussion. Uh, and I wasn't sure whether, you know, I, I felt like I'd probably be overstepping to just come in and say, hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, but as I was walking past and they were, they were having their, like their tea and a bit of cake, the guy who was like making the argument for it caught my eye and said, oh, James. And I can't remember how they knew that I... They probably only knew that I go to church because I'm the only one on board who didn't swear. And uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, it usually comes up. Uh, and uh, they, he asked, oh, James, James, come over here. Please uh, c- come and join this discussion. And, and, and I, was, I was invited to just sit down and just talk about God and just talk about his love for man and, 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 and why I go to church. And it's not that I feel obliged, that, that I have a relationship with him. And, and, and I was able to really illustrate the heart of God to these guys in, 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 a, in almost like a pretty foreign moment. And what occurred to me out of that was, there was no point where I was asked for my credentials. I, I didn't need to say to them, well, you know, I've been a church goer most of my life. Uh, I actually lead and occasionally preach, you know. I didn't have to do any of, I didn't have to do any of that stuff because 
What I realized was, whereas I thought I'd needed some sort of stamp of approval, the cross has made me pre-approved. I'm pre-approved. He's already called me. He's already said that, that I am called for such a time as this. That I'm able, in any situation, to come and to reveal the nature of God in any situation. And I don't need to hold off until I get a sign. I don't have to wait. I don't, God doesn't need to authenticate me on every single situation as it arises. I am pre-approved. You are pre-approved. The cross has pre-approved every single one of us. Amen? Yeah. And see, God, God still uses signs and wonders. I'm not here to suggest that he doesn't. But they are at his own discretion. Right? They are, they are never to prove himself to anyone. That's, that's not how he rolls these days. He, doesn't, he, he did the sign. The whole sign thing is done now. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He might use a sign in your life as a warning to say, hey, hang on, I think you've missed the point here. Or it might be an illustration of his power that it captures your attention or reveals himself in this mighty encounter to, to someone who does not yet know him, who's, who's toing and froing. But it's never to prove himself. There's this... There's this really touching passage in uh, the Old Testament um, where God is talking about Moses. And it, it's kind of funny that I'm using this because actually the, the, long, the, the wider passage is actually God being pretty angry. Very angry, in fact. It's, it's uh, Aaron and Miriam come up to God and, and say, you know how you think Moses is, is this great guy? Well, he's actually not that great. He's made like some pretty bad decisions you might want to reconsider in your estimations and it's a bit like somebody comes up to you who you're kind of friendly with and says you know your husband and wife they're not actually that great they make bad decisions all the time you, they come in or a, or a close friend your best friend and they, they say oh they're not that great though are they really you would be furious you'd be having none of it whatsoever I don't want to hear I barely know you and well, you're going to tell me something about the person who is closest to me. And God is furious. Moses is my guy. And what he says of him is, with him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. And it is this beautiful note regarding God's preference for an intimate relationship. He doesn't want to reveal himself through riddles. He doesn't want like, these, like, these mysterious things that we're going to have to ponder. What he wants is for man to see him. Yeah. For him to be able to talk and that we hear and that we listen. Not waiting on a sign. Let me read to you from Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, 
he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We often look for signs. But signs are no longer necessary because God has given us a pattern. The great thing about a pattern is a pattern repeats. Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. It's the pattern of the firstborn. He was the first from that day of resurrection. He was the first. And there are many brothers and sisters. How does a son, how does a son or a daughter approach the father? They come to him in relationship. They come to him to talk. He does not, God does not reveal himself to Jesus throughout the Bible using a system of code words or vague symbols. He talks to him. He talks to him. He speaks his heart. This is how God revealed his will to Jesus. He came as a son to the Father. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. If we are about the Father's business, then we know what his will is. We know what he is building. And in that regard, you don't need a sign any longer because it's already in him, yes and amen. It's already go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do I need a sign to know whether to share my faith in Jesus? Or do I need a sign to know whether to commit to something that is going to build the kingdom of God? No. Because the sign has already been given. Your salvation was the go sign. We often think of our salvation as the stop sign. Stop doing this, stop doing that. Oh well, God's caught up with me suddenly. I'll have to stop having fun. But but that's not what salvation's all about. Salvation is the go sign. You can go. You are called, you are commissioned, you're authenticated. You are my messenger in every situation. The power of the cross imprints God's priorities into our life. And he gives us the power. He gives us, he empowers us to pursue his will. Gives us, he imprints it upon us. It's a bit like, so our car is doing a weird thing. The driver's side door opens about half as much as it's supposed to. It opens about that much now. And it just started doing it like two days ago. And we don't really know why. And what I have come to realize is when I get in and out of the car, it's, it's automatic. I don't open the door and then get in. I open the door and get in at the same time. I, I, I have this technique that I have perfected over many years whereby I get in and I hold on to the door at the same time so the, the arc of the door doesn't get beyond my reach. And I get in all in this one singular motion. And it is automatic. It is instinctual. I have developed it over many years. 
but it becomes a little unstuck when the door doesn't open as much as it's supposed to. And what I found all through the course of yesterday was that I would bash exactly the same point on my shoulder <laughs> on that door. I would bash it. I've actually got this one, even though I've done it like a bunch of times. Every single time I got into the car, I was even once thinking about how I bashed my elbow in the car and then got out of the car and bashed my elbow again. <laughs> one mark! <laughs> I felt it every time I put my hand up in the air. It's like, oh yeah, that's the car door there. <laughs> this morning I said to Lord, do you want to drive? <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> it was automatic because it's a pattern. God's priorities, God's will. I don't need a sign because I have a pattern. A pattern makes it instinctual. A pattern makes it repeatable. A pattern makes it automatic. I don't need to search out. I don't need God to come. I already know what his will is because his will is about bringing lives into the kingdom. And everything that I do that is in relation to that, the answer is already yes and amen. Mm. The, 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 The question as to whether step out is yes and amen. It's all there. It's all done. And that is how It works. That's how it works. We don't wait for signs any longer because his grace has already paved the way. His grace is already there. Salvation is confirmation of our authority because it's proof of our heritage in God. It's the proof that we are born into his kingdom. And what's more, while you don't need a sign anymore, you actually get to be the sign. Wow. Yeah, that's good. You become the sign. You become the illustration of God's imparted righteousness. He's imparted righteousness into you, and that stands out. You stand out from the crowd. He has made you different. You stand out. You are the sign. You are the, the direction that says there is a different way to do this thing called life. Yeah. There is something different about this person. What is it? You become the sign. You become the stop sign. That becomes the go sign. You are another stitch in the pattern that has been started from this day of redemption. That day of resurrection. Another one born into his family. Building the kingdom one by one. Jesus gave this, this parable about workers in a vineyard. It goes a little like this. There's an owner of a vineyard. He needs some work done. So he puts an ad in Gumtree. And in the first thing in the morning, people arrive. He says, excellent. Here's the work to do. This is what I'll pay you. They're like, excellent. So they get started. Later on that morning, some more people arrive. Here's the work to do. Here's what I'll pay you. Excellent. Afternoon, late afternoon, an hour before the end of the day, people turn up. Is there still some work to be done? Yeah, no worries. Just head out there. This is what I'll pay you. And they all come back at the end of the day. Brings them around and goes, here you go. Starts giving them all what they've earned. Guys who were there first. Guys who turned up first thing in the morning, bright and breezy, early early bird catching the worm. We're like, well, you're paying us the same as everybody. You're paying us. We've been here all day and yet 
You're paying us exactly the same as you're paying the guys who arrived like one hour ago. And what the owner of the vineyard, what God says is, hey, that's the reward. That's what I said it would be. The reward is the reward. Salvation is the reward. A relationship with me is the reward. It doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for 20 years or whether this is literally the first service you've ever sat in. When you give your life to me, when you commit yourself to my vineyard, the reward is the reward. It repeats and it repeats. If you are here today, you haven't yet accepted that call. There can sometimes be that sense of recrimination, that sense of, yeah, but I don't earn it. I, I don't deserve it. I, I've done so many things that would disqualify me from such a, such a generous gift. But that's not the way the kingdom of, work, kingdom of God works. All you do is have to say yes. All you have to do is put your hand and say, yeah, I want to be part of that. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be another stitch in that pattern. I want to be knitted in to your kingdom. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times, and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.